Hello, my Covey Clubber. How are you today? This is Leslie Jane Seymour, the founder of Covey Club. And wow, I am so excited that I have Shelly Chopra to speak to us today. She was so honest, unexpectedly honest. I just found out that it was not a planned uh, presentation. When we were at a global Women for Wellness event, she got up to speak. I was uh, the MC in Philadelphia for my friend Mim Sempt. And Shelly, this gorgeous Indian woman, just stunning, got up to speak. And she said, I'm going to throw away the speech I had and I'm just going to talk from the heart. And she talked about finding out after 20 years of being this high-flying corporate executive um, in the in the health and wellness area of corporations, and she's also a tech person, um, discovering that she had bipolar disorder and how it came about and how she dealt with it. And she just stunned us. I literally turned to my friend Mim and said, was she going to speak about this? And Mim said, no, that was not part of the plan. But she has since... Uh, come out and talked about the importance of bringing your whole self to whatever you do uh, for work. And what I love about this conversation that you're about to hear is that, you know, she was a super overachiever, you know, in the C-suite, get, you know, money, acclaim, family, she had it all. Um, you know, and when she would have a day off, she was, you know, cleaning the closets and cleaning the garage. Does that sound familiar to you? And but she was killing herself with perfection and not really dealing with her inner voices. And what I love is that she has real tips and tricks for all of us on how to, how to do that and not end up in the crisis that she had where she was on a plane coming home from international travel thinking she was having a heart attack. And it wasn't. It was a panic attack. But anyway... I think you should listen. There's a lot here for you. And if you like the show, which I hope you do, which is why you're listening, um, please give us some stars and a, and a rating so that other people can find us. And here we go with Shelly Chopra. So good morning, Shelly. How are you? So glad you could join us. I'm doing great, Leslie. Thank you for having me on. And what a joy to um, talk to you again and collaborate with you. I'm excited. Thank you. Yes. And I really can't wait for you to tell my listeners your story to reinvention. Very unusual and um, just such a, a moving, wonderful story. So let's start with before your reinvention, who were you? Um, give us a little idea of where you grew up and how you got to that point. Yes. So I, I was born in India and I grew up mostly in India my early years. My dad was a Navy, so we traveled quite a bit through the country growing up. So I was very used to uh, every couple of months going to a new place, acclimatizing to new culture, new language, new values. We also traveled to Middle East quite a bit when I was young. Um, after finishing my school schooling in India, I traveled to Russia, stayed there for a couple of years before moving to US. So really, I kind of find myself more like that term that you hear quite a bit these days, global citizen. 
mm. that my my personal and my professional life has really taken me around the globe, which I consider myself very fortunate because I think it has given me such a broad perspective on personal challenges sure. that we deal with. So, um, yes, so having traveled all across the globe, I am a healthcare strategist by trade. Really, in short, I call myself a techie and data nerd, and mm-hmm. I wear the badge proud. Um, I am a recovering corporate executive from healthcare <laughs> world. I spent about 20 plus years in the operational world of healthcare with um, big fancy titles, mm-hmm. large portfolios being a type A overachiever, um, Mm -hmm. climbing the corporate ladder and achieving all big goals that I set for myself until I came uh, that smack, you know, facing sort of my own inner voice um, for a change. So that's sort of what brought me to that moment. And so can you talk about when that inner voice took hold? What was happening in your life? Um, talk about, are you married? Do you have kids? Where, where were you at that point in your life as well? Yes. Yes. So um, married about 20 plus years with, to right. my darling husband and have mm-hmm. two beautiful rambunctious boys who keep okay. me on my toes all the time okay. and give me all the grades that I have. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, while the career path is flying high, much like probably, you know, most folks, life is also moving at a fast pace. Yes. You know, got married, traveling is part of the marriage. You know, we both are very passionate about travel, having young kids while I was climbing the corporate ladder. So the stress that comes with that as well. Mm-hmm. And balancing life and family and parenting with the career demands. Mm-hmm. especially in the early years when you're climbing up the corporate ladder. So, you know, I would say in short, it feels like a blur when I look at the last almost like two decades of my life, where it was constant juggling of many balls, dropping many of them at times and really sort of getting up, dusting yourself and starting all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was living that fast paced life, uh, what was sort of, Restless within me, I'd say probably for the last eight was all of this ambition, all of this fast pace, you know, to what end? Are you really connected with your core purpose? And I always had that little bit of restlessness going within me um, that came out in, I like to write poetry, I like to write. I call myself mostly like a closet poet. And I think it reflected in my my inner voice and inner restlessness came out there where what it was speaking to me was lack of self-care. And when I say self-care, it's really, really connecting with within. And in a lot of ways, all of that sort of um, overly committed and a very fast life also came at a price of um, me giving up the discipline of creating space for self-care. So that manifested in um, some depression and anxiety mm-hmm. that was happening in parallel. And, you know, now that I think about it, I probably had it forever. But growing up in India, where we don't talk about mental health and well-being, probably that's true for here in U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I just sort of shelved it away and overcompensated my lows and highs with just extra hard work. 
Mm. Until I got to a point where it caught up with me, my inner self, my inner voice caught up with me to say, you are hustling too hard to become and not take enough pauses to really be the And that's when I came to my pause. It was about two years ago when I was traveling for work. I was traveling to Saudi Arabia extensively for work at that time. Um, and I had my first panic attack on my flight back home. Mm -hmm. I did not know what that was. I thought I was getting into cardiac arrest. And all the while, really, I'm thinking to myself, how could I have cardiac arrest? I run three miles every day. Um, but that was sort of my, my wake-up call, my physical wake-up call that my body kind of intervened to say, pause, mm -hmm. enough of the running. And, you know, that became the journey for me to, to pause, I'd probably say fully unravel and then be put back together again. So give me an idea of what that panic attack felt like. Did, did they have to come and help you on the plane or did they, I mean, was it that bad that you, did you think it was something they had to land the plane for or? Um, you know, luckily it happens. You know, I, I, you know, it's, it's in, typically when I travel, that's the time that I go within that's the time I take to pause. I mean, I, at heart, I'm an introvert that really charges by going to that place within. So I vividly remember looking back, uh, we, you know, the, they had made the announcement that we're about to land in 30 minutes to close your devices and everything. And I just had this urge to write something. And I opened my notebook and I wrote, and the title of my poem was Muted that you know the voice within that wants to come out it's muted it's muted by the noise of outside the hustle of outside the desire to be more than what we are and and you know i wrote a little bit on that poem which i didn't even read and i put the the notebook coin and i just felt this real restlessness like my breathing was a little labored so i decided to do some deep breathing exercises and um just calm myself down, which I sort of felt something was off. I couldn't really get back to the place of centeredness. Mm -hmm. I got off the plane. I literally sort of disembarked the plane, came outside. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to meet the team for dinner. Maybe I'll just go straight to the hotel. And there was something within me that said, something is not right. Just pause right here. I turned around. I told the lady who was at the gate to say, could you please call EMS? I'm mm. having trouble breathing. I don't feel right. And I sat down. Mm -hmm. And I vividly remember I put my head down and I had to take deep, long, labored breaths to catch breath. And at that moment, I thought maybe I was having cardiac arrest. Because mm -hmm. one, I didn't know anything about panic attack. I'd never mm -hmm. experienced it before. Mm -hmm. And I just felt my whole body shaking. Mm. And if I, you know, fit because really it was a bit of a surreal and a removed experience for me as well, where I could almost see myself as a third person, mm -hmm. where I'm sitting there, I'm laboring to catch my breath to sort of subdue the anxiety I was feeling within. But there was a part of me that was very removed from that experience that just was looking at me, and if I may say, smiling and saying, see? now begins the journey. 
Wow. Oh my God. You gave me goosebumps. Wow. And, and I'm having goosebumps as I'm talking about it right now, just reliving that moment. And, and you know, realization of this moment came months and months after the attack happened. But uh-huh. I'm sitting there and everything is really happening in slow motion around me. EMS arrives. Mm-hmm. They put me on a stretcher. They strap mm-hmm. me up and they get an ambulance and they are rushing me to the to the hospital. Mm-hmm. My vitals are stable, but clearly my heartbeat is really high. But, you know, at mm-hmm. that point, they're following protocol. Mm-hmm. And I'm still there observing me, feeling me. You know, it's almost like there are two parallel experiences mm-hmm. happening. Mm. One that's physical, that's going through it, and I'm going through logically. I can't be having cardiac arrest. Mm. I'm pretty healthy. I run every day. This can't be it. Should I let my husband know? How do I inform somebody? <laughs> oh, you know, practical things. Let me unlock my iPhone and give them that so they can communicate to my loved oh, ones. My God, okay. You know? And then there is this other part of me that was just oh, unbelievably calm mm-hmm. and connected. And when I say connected, we all have that space with. That's divine, and regardless mm-hmm. of your faith, your religion, that we connect to. Mm-hmm. And I was deeply connected to that space. And that space was just the words that kept coming to me um, are fall apart. It's okay to wow. fall apart. Let go. Mm. And I did. I was taken to the hospital, they, you know, millions of dollars of tests later. Mm. They said, oh, you're fine. Vitals are okay. Mm. Maybe it was a panic attack. And boy, did I feel so offended at that. I was like, what do you mean panic attack? Me, uh-huh. panic attack? I can pull it together. I'm the one that has it together all the time. Uh-huh. That mm-hmm. can't be right. Um, but that was my just I, just, I just have such a vivid memory of that particular moment, which I think was significant in my journey to really let go and, and fall apart a little bit. And when you fell apart, what was that? What did that entail? Did you have to leave work? Did you? What, did you I did. I came home. What? Yes, all of it, Leslie, mm-hmm. all of it. All of the things that I thought I am too cool, too mm-hmm. strong, too mm-hmm. successful, too put together to ever all of that. I came home, uh, you know, decided to take a couple of days off of work, followed up with my PCP because that's a protocol. And, you know, they're like, well, it probably could be panic attack. You know, there's a lot going on at work. I was doing um, a lot of international and national travel as well. So I knew I was pushing my boundaries um, on on physical rest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought, okay, maybe a couple of days at home and Mm -hmm. I, I will be put back together. And funny enough, in my mind, I said, while I'm at home, I'm going to catch up with kids, clean the closet, oh. get the garage cleaned up. And then God. Like, can you tell my pattern of overachieving? Oh oh um, I said, I'm going to be back to work. Three days go by, and I just have this nagging feeling, no, girl, you are not put back together again. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went back after three days to my PCP to kind of get a letter of quote-unquote release. So I can go back to work. Mm-hmm. And there was something within me, Leslie, that took over. And I literally sat down and I said, you know, you're talking about anxiety. I have never talked to anybody about this, but I've dealt with depression all my life. Mm-hmm. The first time I um, came across depression, I was three years old. Wow. I didn't even know what that means. My father had it. 
Mm. Neither did he know he meant mm-hmm. because, you know, this is the time I grew up in India where mental health, there was no lack of awareness. And mm-hmm. if there was awareness, there's a big stigma and taboo around it. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it. But I knew something was not right. I instinctively knew that when he was having his, what we called mood swing, mm-hmm. his lows, mm-hmm. he wasn't choosing to be that way. He mm-hmm. just was. I mm-hmm. knew it in my mm-hmm. being, even when I was three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but at 42, mm-hmm. all that memory came back to me and I shared that with her. Mm-hmm. And it was a very deeply vulnerable moment for me, mm-hmm. opening up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, she recommended from there, don't go back to work, let's mm-hmm. go and let's get you through some tests. And at that moment, I decided, you know, let's just go with it and see what comes out. Because a big part of that was denial as well, right? Mm-hmm. I knew there was something that I was carrying within and I overcompensated for that in my life through my ambitions, through my achievements, through my hard work, because I didn't want to face that there was this that I considered imperfection about me, mm. which was mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I spent four decades of my life more than that, running away from it and mm. covering it up. Um, wow. So I went through batteries of tests. And the fact that I can swing, I can be on the spectrum of depression mm-hmm. and I can experience anxiety, which was now sort of proven clinical episode with the panic attack. Mm-hmm. immediately by the book throws me on the spectrum of bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with on a very low end of the spectrum on bipolar two, mm-hmm. which is a milder form of bipolar disorder. And mm-hmm. all that really means in layman um, terms is I can experience both depression and anxiety. Wonderful. And uh, you know, I got that diagnosis and you would think that should be a very empowering moment. Now I have clarity. Now mm-hmm. I can uh, beat it, take care of mm-hmm. it, given the type A I am. Mm-hmm. It broke me. Oh. It broke me completely because mm-hmm. what that brought me face to face with is the deep-seated stigma and mm-hmm. shame I harbored about mental mm-hmm. illness that mm-hmm. even I wasn't aware of myself. So that mm-hmm. was the beginning of my falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I took six months off of work, which mm-hmm. is probably the longest I have in my adult life mm-hmm. to really um, face it and mm-hmm. deal with it and come on on the other side of it. Mm. And what did you do? Um, to get through that? Was it therapy? Was it um, physical stuff? Did you go away somewhere? Did you go on medication? How did you handle? Well, first I spent about six weeks moping about it, Mm -hmm. really being in a dark place. I was afraid. I was ashamed, Mm -hmm. even though today I can say why I was ashamed. But you know what? When you're feeling the darkness, the feelings of inadequacy, of shame, of despair, yeah. Like deep dark where despair is actually yeah. a physical feeling. Yeah. Um, all of that is real for you. Yes. I even had a moment where there was a part of me that felt I didn't want to go on. Yeah. Because I could not see myself whole again. Mm. Um, yet there was 
thankfully, the other part of me that was pragmatic to say, okay, you are feeling that darkness. You're, you mm-hmm. are not that darkness. Mm-hmm. I could remove myself. But mm-hmm. I did go to that depth of despair. Mm-hmm. So about six weeks into moping, um, my husband and a very good friend of mine brought over two bottles of wine. <laughs> and they finished the two bottles and maybe one more. <laughs> and they literally physically boinked me on my head and say, okay, are you done moping? Uh-huh. So bipolar. Yeah. You are not bipolar. You have bipolar. Mm-hmm. Now what the heck are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that from there began sort of my shift of, okay, now what am I going to do about it? So came with, to me, reflecting by my journey can be divided into sort of four parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the techie nerd I am, the type mm-hmm. A, I've got to divide it up into steps. <laughs> steps were, <laughs> see how I wear my nerd badge? Great, down? yes. My steps were um, know it, own it, kick ass, if I can say ass on the show. Oh, you can say everything on this show. <laughs> okay. Know it, own it, kick ass, and be kind. Uh-huh. So I started by educating myself on what is depression, what is anxiety, what are the clinical, mm-hmm. physiological, psychological, and lifestyle symptoms and triggers for it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in my head, mm-hmm. it was Shelley versus bipolar. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. was going to know my opponent, what am I dealing with? Mm-hmm. And that was a big part of my journey because educating myself and mm-hmm. I reached out to local resources. For example, there are chapters of NAMI, National Institute of Mental Illness, that the chapters are in most cities within U.S. They have a lot of resources, edu- online and group resources where you can go talk about it. You can mm-hmm. learn about it. And, you know, this is the right information versus Googling and yeah. there you find, you know, a lot of information that's not true as well. And so it's, I started to educate And it's called National, it. just give me that again so we have it so people can find it. National Association. NAMI, National Institute of Mental Illness. Uh, national. N-A-M-I dot org. You can Google it and you'll be able to find local resources associated with NAMI. They are right. in most major cities. Okay. Um, I also reached out, you know, um, I got, went ahead and um, reached out to a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. psychologist and a psychotherapist first, mm-hmm. because I was going to approach it from a clinical perspective mm-hmm. as well as psychological perspective. Mm-hmm. I did therapy for six months, which I've mm-hmm. never done before. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up in South Asian community, I don't know why, mm-hmm. but we consider therapy as a sign of weakness. It's so oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> so I, think ridiculous. It, I think it's easier to run away from your problems than it is to get to know yeah. them and deal with them. I think yeah. a lot of people are confused about that. I'm a 25-year veteran of therapy, so I totally believe in it. Oh, my God. I'm a big believer in therapy yep. right now. And you know what else? We cover it with Leslie when all fails. When we have no excuses, we cover it by prayer. Mm. And I'm not belittling the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. It has a part in our life. It certainly did in my life and still does. Mm-hmm. But prayer alone is, I mean, do we say prayers is going to fix cancer? We never mm-hmm. give that advice. Mm-hmm. Yet for depression or anxiety, we say, mm-hmm. oh, be strong. Oh, you mm-hmm. just need to pray a little harder. Mm-hmm. And look right. at the positives in your life and you won't be depressed. Or I never choose to be depressed. Right. I am depressed. There's a clinical reason. So I have That's to great. get to know 
what this illness is about because it is a clinical illness. It is a physical right. illness. Right. Um, then, I le- then I progressed to owning it, mm-hmm. which was a big part of embracing myself, mm-hmm. starting to see myself as whole again. It mm-hmm. is not my imperfection. It is just a part of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not bipolar. I have bipolar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of these subtle shifts were also yeah. very profound shifts for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. In, in seeing myself, in seeing myself capable again, in mm-hmm. sort of gathering myself together and willing to show up in life again, mm-hmm. show up in my relationships mm-hmm. again. And mm-hmm. I started by showing up, let me show up back again in my personal relationships first. Mm-hmm. I still could not find a path. I was very afraid in my professional world that I am going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be perceived as right. incapable uh, mm-hmm. because I was seeing myself incapable. That mm-hmm. was the first barrier I had to overcome. Mm-hmm. So I owned it. And then my third step was kicking ass, which was really committing to my wellness plan. And part mm-hmm. of it was therapy. Mm-hmm. Part of it was being open to taking medication, mm-hmm. you know, sifting through that, through the side effects to find the right brand, the right mm-hmm. dose that worked for me, mm-hmm. taking time to make self-care a priority. And big part of that was exercise, mm-hmm. clean eating, meditation, yoga, whatever it takes, mm-hmm. find your perfect mix. Right. And I had to invest in that. And I had to rework my mental framework to say, Wherever I show up in life, however I show up in whatever capacity, just like there are non-negotiables of life, like for me, non-negotiable is my faith, Mm -hmm. my family. Mm -hmm. I put a third non-negotiable in my life, which was Mm self-care. And that meant being comfortable with no, saying Mm -hmm. no, Mm -hmm. with boundaries, with Mm -hmm. making self-care a priority, good sleep, good eating, Mm -hmm. not overdoing. So which Mm -hmm. means I was going to show up in life differently. And then mm-hmm. the last one was, and boy, this was a really hard one for me, mm-hmm. but a really important one. I learned to be kind to myself again. Mm-hmm. I learned to be kind to my imperfections. And Leslie, I never thought I would get to a point, but it brought me to a point that I see my imperfections, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with air quotes on it. Mm-hmm. My bipolar is the biggest gift mm-hmm. that I've gotten in my life mm-hmm. because it opened me up to compassion. Mm. It opened me up to being kind to myself, mm-hmm. to really seeing my, because it gives me permission to rest. Mm-hmm. It gives me permission to deeply, deeply feel when I'm in my lows. Mm-hmm. I have an increased empathetic capacity when I'm in my lows. Mm-hmm. And I have an increased creative capacity when I'm in my highs. Mm-hmm. It's how you see it mm-hmm. and how you integrate that into fabric of your life. So. Mm-hmm. That's what took me six months. And then I entered back into my workforce after six months. Mm-hmm. But I was a changed person by then, mm-hmm. Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back in. I was close to a promotion. Mm-hmm. At that point, you know, my next C-suite level up. Mm-hmm. And that journey kind of brought me back in touch with my inner being. And what I realized, 20 plus two decades plus in corporate leadership. I had been successful by every count on paper, money, title, mm-hmm. uh, my footprint, mm-hmm. but I had not been real. I had not brought all of me mm-hmm. authentically mm-hmm. to the workplace. Mm-hmm. And all of me, including bringing in my compassion to imperfections, creating that space to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. to be authentic. So mm-hmm. if I live in that space, 
Mm-hmm. I create that space for others to be that too. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the next C-suite promotion didn't have a meaning for me mm. anymore because I was going to forge my own path of authentic leadership, a vulnerable leadership mm-hmm. that I needed to step away. So I decided mm-hmm. to step away from a corporate job and embark mm-hmm. on the journey of um, entrepreneurship, which mm-hmm. I was really an entrepreneur at heart. I hustled mm-hmm. even in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. But part of my new path in the last two years has been super rewarding is not only to have it on the professional front, but also on the service front, on advocacy front as well. Mm-hmm. And just because um, we're getting towards the end and I still want to ask you for your sort of specific tips and tricks for this listener, but what were your um, things that you're doing in service that you find rewarding just quickly? Um, I am associated with a couple of organizations, International School of Story and Global Women for Wellness. And I'm also starting to speak nationally and internationally on normalizing the conversation on mental health, on embracing mental health and bringing it not only in our personal life, but in corporate leadership as well, because that's one place we really, really hide that aspect of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm deeply passionate about that, and I'm working with several organizations in um, raising the awareness through speaking, mm-hmm. through collaborations, through promoting, and getting to the table and impacting even policy changes in the corporate world mm-hmm. to really create um, openness mm-hmm. for mental health and well-being, and incorporating that as a priority mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. one of the values of leadership. Why can't we be vulnerable, authentic? Mm-hmm. in our leadership mm-hmm. on that. And, mm-hmm. and that started with me, by me first walking that path before I preached that path. Mm. So as we're pulling to a close here, let me say thank you for such a wonderful sort of walk through, you know, your sort of discovery of, I love the way you say it, that you just didn't bring your whole self to work, which is, I bet you a lot of, listeners can relate to that because we think we're taught not to. Um, We all have to act like other people. I know in my um, business, I was told I had to act like a man and show no emotion for anything. Um, That was the requirement. (laughs) And um, so to be able to bring your full self to work um, is very empowering. So Mm -hmm. if you want to leave these readers with uh, or listeners um, with very specific steps and tricks. What mm-hmm. would you suggest to them if they find themselves in this kind of situation that you were mm-hmm. in where you're seeing a physical um, representation of something that obviously you've been suppressing for a while, that'll get your mm-hmm. attention. <laughs> but can, yes. you, can you get there before that? What, what would you oh, suggest? Absolutely. Are there books to read, podcasts? Are there websites to go to? What would you suggest if they, it's sneaking around in the back of their mind might be like, uh-oh, I'm not dealing with all my emotional issues either? Yes, yes. I would say, um, so again, you know, four steps to it, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, create the space, honor that space, even if it's just 30 minutes mm-hmm. where you are quiet and you listen within. Trust me, our higher selves, our inner selves are so much more wiser than what we give them credit for. Give mm-hmm. it credit for. Mm-hmm. Listen to it. The truth that we seek outside often is already within. 
Mm-hmm. But create the space to go within. And it could be walk. It could be exercise. It could be writing. It could be, you know, reading, music, whatever that space is that silences the noise that we have in to go within and listen to yourself. If you're feeling that restlessness, that there's something you're not listening in, create a space to it and you will listen to it. And hopefully you don't have to get to a smackdown physical intervention like it happened for me. Right. In terms of reinventing yourself, when you listen in, I have done this exercise and now I'm very intentional about it. What, you know, showing up as our whole, what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? What do I want to look like? What do I want to show up as a whole for? So I actually write down what those values are. For me, it's vulnerable. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. aesthetic. It's unbashedly, unashamedly owning our, all parts of me mm-hmm. and the parts of me that are not perfect. Mm-hmm. Write them down because those become your guiding posts on how you want to show up in life. Mm-hmm. Write down what you want your mission in life to be. Yes, we, you know, we lead our life by roles and responsibilities we play, and they're very important. But each one of us came to this life not just to play the roles, but to be. Mm-hmm. Write down what does that look like. Mm-hmm. You know, and then for me, as I took the break, and I was going to sort of reinvent how I show up in the world and find my path, I kind of wrote down what I call an opportunity map, right? What does mm-hmm. that future look like? How do I want to show up? And how would I go about teaching myself how to walk that path? So who are the mentors I need to reach out to, whom I can learn from? Who are the people I want to reach out to network who can teach me, who I see are on that path? And maybe I ask for a coffee, a 15-minute phone call. Be open to learning. Be open to learning the new ways of being. And be patient with yourself because it might take you a little bit time. So I'm, I'm a very doer. I threw myself into opportunities or projects that came my way without, and and with calming the part of my brain that said, why do this? That's too much time. That doesn't give me any money. How am I going to balance it? Trust the universe. If you made an intention and if opportunities are coming your way, trust the universe, just show up with your whole. You might not realize what you need to learn until you go through that experience. So trust the universe on that and just show up as a whole. So I had my opportunity map and I committed myself to showing up as a whole in whatever opportunities came my way. And then really be unafraid of failure, of making a fool of yourself while you're reinventing yourself. It's okay not to know. It's okay just to know this is where you want to be and you're going to try. And every iteration of it, you become smarter, you become stronger. But you know what? Even when you're imperfect and you're flailing, but you're still moving on, trust me, you're so relatable because none of us know the answers. I still don't know exactly my path, but I'm very clear on how I want to show up. And I'm being open to even this podcast. Did I sweat over it this morning? You bet, Leslie. I sweated over it this morning and I still am. Oh, if, no. If you can see my armpits right now. They're no. not Thank God it is not a video podcast. It's just <laughs> us. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, you are. But so I showed wonderful. up. I said, I'm just going to bring in my whole and my heart. Thank because you. as I'm talking to you guys, I am reliving it. And trust me, it heals me and it empowers me owning my own story. And lastly, I'll just say, 
reinvention and finding your path, it's not a one-time thing. I hope that journey is a lifetime journey for you because at every moment we learn something new and we are more than what we were yesterday. Yes. So reinvention is just a state of being. It's not a one definite event. Right. It is a lifetime um, process. And I think that's what I learned, certainly. And I'm so grateful that you decided to show up for this podcast <laughs> entirely. This is a warm, loving group of um, people who are all in the same spot as you. And you're going to be a shining beacon for those people who need to deal with some of the inner questions. And I'll tell you also, reinvention can, you know, it is hard. Reinvention yeah. really brings up your emotional issues because there's mm -hmm. nobody there to blame anything on. If your reinvention mm -hmm. is not happening, it's not because of that dumb boss you have. It's because you're, uh, you have some barrier and you're not dealing with yeah. it. And you've got to really dig deep. So I think this yeah. has been a wonderful time and I'm so grateful to you for spending it with us. And I really appreciate, I'll, I'll send me the clothes and I'll have them dry clean for you. <laughs> but we so That's appreciate it. I asked Marissa, this is not video. Thank the Lord. <laughs> no video. And I hope that you keep at this because I, I see, I think you need to do a TED talk. I think you need to do a book. Um, your story is very powerful. And um, we look forward to sharing more of it with you as we go down the road in the future. So thank you so much, Shelley, for your time. Thank you, Leslie. My pleasure. Grateful for you. So I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Shelly Chopra. I think she's quite amazing. I know that she blew me away when I met her and I hope that you'll follow her um, online. I'm trying to get her to write a book and do a TED talk. I think her story is very powerful, especially in a world where we're all afraid to talk about any kind of mental illness, even though for many people it doesn't impact how they present to the world. It's just part of us and how we deal with the world. And as my old very first therapist used to say, scratch the surface of anybody and you're going to find something. Nobody gets out unscathed. And so it's time that we all talk about our issues. And I think she's a wonderful example of that. And if you enjoyed Reinvent Yourself, I hope that you will give us a few stars and a good rating and maybe share the podcast with a friend or two. That is the only way that we get out there and more people hear about us. And also, if you know of anybody who should be on the podcast, who has a great reinvention story to tell, I hope that you will send their name to us. Uh, you can write to Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at CoveyClub.com, and I will follow up. So thank you so much for your time and for your listening. And here's till next time. Take care.